You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a Friday fun show here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline, 337-706-0111 as we are broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. On today's edition of Crunch Time, we've got a ton to get to, including... LSU and Louisiana baseball, both on the road. The Tigers in Oxford, Mississippi to take on Ole Miss while the Cajuns are in Harrisonburg, Virginia for a three-game series with James Madison. We're also going to talk about the NFL draft like we've done a lot this week as it's less than a week away now. Plus... We're going to get into some interesting news in the NFL. Welcome in my producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James? Jimmy? No. Jimothy? No. Happy Friday, sir. How are you? Happy Friday, Miguel. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Big cherry, big messy. Oh, man. Whatever you want. Oh, the roadblock. Roadblock. Whatever you want to call me. It's fine. Um... It's Friday. It is. It's a Friday fun show. Which means that in, and not only is it a Friday, but it is a Friday where all of our local teams are on the road. No. Other than McNeese. There you go. But McNeese is being taken care of by the big, bald, and beautiful one. So you and I have the weekend off. Yes. How are you going to spend it, bud? <sighs> Probably doing more mock drafts. More. <laughs> This guy. I have I have never met somebody that respects the grind of mock drafts more than James Mesh. Because it's it's funny because Brennan said I was doing rookie numbers with mock drafts. In the last I think, I think he's doing less than me. In the last two weeks, how many mock drafts approximately would you say you have done? Are we counting the ones where I Quit halfway through and restarted? Uh, I'm going to say no. Oh, then like three. That's it? Well, yeah, because I, I get to like midway through or I'll get to like the 10th pick or the 17th pick or the 20th pick and I get stumped. I'm like, well, mm, how about this? Well, okay. How many mock drafts have you done where you're just the Saints? Like for our mock drafts for uh, just what we did general. for YouTube? Just in general. Yeah, where you only pick the Saints picks. How many mock drafts have you done? Oh, I haven't done in, like really any of those oh, except for except for our YouTube stuff, which you, sh- you should go check it out. Our three came out recently. Absolutely, uh, at our YouTube channel at the Game Louisiana. See if you've only done three, because you said the ones where I'm only doing the Saints pick at twenty nine. I I've only done that whenever we're doing it for social no, I'm media. Talk- I'm talking about a seven round mock draft. No. Oh, this guy. I've only been so I've, you're so you're not as dedicated as I thought you were. See, I've been, now now I think a little less of you. I, <laughs> I've been dedicated to doing the first round because I'm trying to 
get it to be as accurate as possible. See, now now I think just a little bit because less my, of you. Because my whole article, which had come out last night on 1037thegame.com. Which you should also check out. Yeah, I, it came out last night. I've been, <laughs> I've been grinding on that. I'm not, the whole thing is I do the first round. I don't do the second, third, fourth, seventh round. I'll do that for the Saints mocks that we've been doing for social media, but other than that, I haven't been doing that. This guy only cares about the first thirty-two players. After that, well, well for well for this year it's thirty-one. It's thirty-one, even worse. <laughs> even after worse. after less that, dedication. After that, it's absolutely irrelevant. You didn't get drafted in the first round. You don't get that fifth-year option. You're dead to me. You're right. I mean, that's basically how you just said it. Uh huh. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Let's start with the LSU Tigers, the top-ranked baseball team that will be on the road in Oxford, Mississippi this weekend to take on Ole Miss. Tonight's game got moved from 6.30 to 8.30. So, Woof. Eat, eat, eat you some dinner pregame. And because, then head to the game. Because <laughs> it's going to be a late night tonight in, in Oxford. Tomorrow, 2 o'clock Sunday at 1.30. I saw... A conversation, and it actually somewhat makes a little bit of sense. With the game being pushed back to 8.30, would it be wild to hold Paul Skeens until tomorrow? It definitely would be a change of pace, because we're so used to him being the Friday or recently with some of these series, the Thursday starter. Well, because but you but you moving him to Saturday, and, I'm not I'm not totally opposed to it. And, and the reason why is because when you're a pitcher, and you know that you're going to start on Friday night, and the game is going to be at such and such time, and you have a whole preparation. The final 24 hours are down to the minute. You've got a whole schedule, and then this morning it's fi- it's found out, oh, we're going to push the game back two hours. That could completely throw off the psyche and the preparation of a starting pitcher. So it might be a thing where you look at, if you're Jay Johnson, you look at Paul Skeen say, hey, do your 24-hour prep over again, and we'll pitch you tomorrow. So I don't think LSU is going to do it. I think they're still going to roll with Paul Skeen's tonight. But if I was Jay Johnson, I would not be opposed to the idea of moving Ty Floyd to tonight and then pitching Paul tomorrow. The only thing with that is you kind of you also throw Ty's clock off with that. If you're moving him a whole day ahead, that's true. That's, that's the true. thing. So you might as well just stick with Paul at that point because I mean he's one of the top pitchers in the country, if not the best. Oh, I would venture to say he's the best pitcher in the so, country right now. So at that point, if if he's the best, he should be able to overcome waiting two hours to play his game. That's fair. That's a fair point. Uh, for the Cajuns, they're in Harrisonburg, Virginia, to play the Dukes of James Madison. We talked about James Madison yesterday. They're coming into this game with a... Ninth, with an interesting record, they're thirteen and seven at home. They've been on the road for the last four games. 
When you look at James Madison, they're 20 and 16, 5 and 8 in the Sun Belt Conference. They have struggled to find their footing in the Sun Belt. But if you look at their pitching rotation for this weekend, tonight they're going to go with a right hander by the name of Ryan Urchelweiger. A 6'1", 205-pound freshman. So far on the year, he is 2-1 with a 2.0 ERA, 16 hits, 8 runs, only 4 earned. He has struck out 16. Their pitching rotation is is pretty solid. Uh, Todd Mazinski is going to go tomorrow. He's got a 2.78 ERA. He's 0-3 on the season. And then on Sunday, they're going to go with Ryan Murphy, a junior with a 4.8. 6-4 ERA. Looking at RPIs, though, James, Louisiana comes in at 64, and James Madison comes in at 155, which is a large, large gap. And if you're the Cajuns, when you're fighting to bring your RPI up, you can't really afford to drop games to a team that has an RPI in the 150s. So, if you're Matt Deggs and company, you really, you, you probably need a sweep this weekend. Uh, for sure, two out of three. But you would you would really want a sweep in, in this scenario. Also, the Houston Astros will return to the Diamond tonight. They will take on the Hotlanta. Braves, and the reason I, I use the word hotland is because the Braves are absolutely rolling. 14-5 and five on the season. They're going to go with Bryce Elder on the mound tonight, 2-0 and on the season with a 1.53 ERA. He's pitched 17 and two-thirds innings, 17 Ks. He's only walked six, while the Astros will go with Hunter Brown. Very similar numbers, also 2-0, and with a 1.93 ERA. He is... Give it up three less hits, same amount of strikeouts, and the same amount of walks. James, Hunter Brown, a guy that has only made 10 starts in the MLB in his career. This is going to be number 11 tonight. He's got a very daunting batting order to face. Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Sean Murphy, Eddie Rosario, Ozzy Albies, Vaughn Grisham. It's an interesting group. And they're in Atlanta? Daunting task. <laughs> but for me, I'm not looking at it like, Hunter, I need you to win tonight. I kind of look at it since this will be your 11th start and you're just so young. This is just, to me, more of a good experience going against a really good batting lineup. You look at the Astros, 9-10 and 10 so far in the MLB second in the AL West while the Braves like I mentioned 14 and 5 they're currently atop the NL East look if Hunter Brown can go out there if he gives you a solid performance I'm not going to be mad at it if he could yeah if he could give you so he's pitched seven innings his last two outings Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask for that because that's a lot to ask for if I'm Dusty Baker, I'm looking at Hunter Brown saying five and a third. Minimum of five. If you can get me six, great. Six innings of good baseball, great. Hold them to three or less runs. 
and we'll and we'll try to go from there. Right, and and we'll we'll figure it out from there. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you completely. It's a great opportunity for him to get some key experience against, like we mentioned, a really good batting order. So on today's show, 4.30, Cookie Riley's going to join us. We'll talk LSU baseball. We'll also talk about the LSU spring game, as that's taking place tomorrow at Tiger Stadium. At 5 o'clock, Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, he will join us each and every Friday for Jake's Takes. We'll get his thoughts on the top news in sports and his bets for the weekend. And then at 5.30, Emory Hunt, a football game plan. He's going to join us to talk about the NFL draft. Again, six days away from the first round on Thursday night. So don't go anywhere. Crunch time will continue right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, if you are, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 419 on your Friday fun show. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337 706 Zero one 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 James, how for lack of better words, I'm gonna use how stupid can you be? Me? No, not you. Five NFL players. Yep. Four of them lions, and one of them being Jameson Williams. Yeah, one of them being one of them being star second-year wide receiver Jamison Williams, has been suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy. Did you not learn your lesson or learn not to gamble when Calvin Ridley got busted? Right, and with Calvin Ridley, it was one parlay, and it was... For an NFL game, I get that. But if you saw for how long Calvin Ridley got suspended for for that one parlay, mm-hmm. instincts would say NFL, they take gambling pretty serious because we'd seen it before with the MLB with players where they would bet on their own games. So even though it's not the exact same because they were saying, Jameson, it was a different sport, but it was in the Lions facility. My thought is, why would you even risk that? If you saw for how long Calvin was out for because of a one parlay that he did on a Falcons game, Mm -hmm. why would you ever try and take that risk? That's my thought process behind it all. And then it wasn't just one guy. It was four teammates. It was three teammates of Jameson. It was four total Lions and And then then one commander. 
Lions wide receiver Quintez Cephas and safety C.J. Moore have been suspended indefinitely, as was Washington Commanders defensive end Shaka Tony, for betting on NFL games. They can apply for reinstatement after a full season, although Detroit has announced that they have released both players. Meanwhile, Jamison Williams and other second-year receiver Stanley Berryhill are being suspended for six games because they did not bet on NFL games, but they were placing bets from inside the Lions' facility. Now look, I understand that there are pressures and temptations and whatever else in life. And you see so often with like Bleach Report or someone else on social media being like, oh man, I was so close to hitting this 20 leg parlay that I put $1 on. If I hit it, I would have got $100,000. I get it. The temptations are there. But when you're a professional and you play in a professional sport that people are betting on and you've seen the repercussions that other guys have gotten, I don't understand how you think that this is... Maybe you don't think it's okay, but that you take that type of risk. How hard is it to stay out of trouble? Like, honestly, I said the same thing with Tyron Matthew when he was at LSU. Kid got busted three times. When you're, really when you're a college athlete, but also in the NFL, how hard is it to do what you have to do to be successful and stay out of trouble. It's really not that hard. I stay out of trouble all the time. Mm. Uh, okay. Like it, it's really not that hard. Do what you have to do to be successful. Go home. It's not hard. I, I just I've never understood how. And even even with college athletes like like Tyron Matthew gets busted three times for marijuana, dude, just stop doing it. How, how it, it can't be that hard? And it's like I know you're young. I know you're in your early twenties, and when it was Tyron, he was still he was nineteen. Nineteen. So I get it. You're really young, and I've said it before. Like I'm not gonna crucify you for when you're that young doing something dumb, but it's like you have to look at it and you you have to try and have some sort of common sense. But it but it's the it's the fool me Fool me once, shame on you, fool, fool me, me twice, twice shame, shame on, on me. me. Right. Right. Like this this is the first time for Jameson getting in trouble with this. But it was like if I would have looked at it and I saw Calvin and I saw a year for a parlay, even if I'm betting on a completely different sport or even if I wanted to, I would look at it and be like, would I get in trouble for this? Like, I would look into it before I even make the bet. I would look, do, could I get in trouble for this? And in what way, how would I do that? And how can I avoid that? that but that that's just me. I would have tried to avoid it, but, I mean, he didn't see that. And I'm not going to say James, Jameson Williams is a terrible person for well, no. for doing that, but it was like, it's it's a dumb thing, and it's like, did you really need to do that? You, you you had somebody paint you the picture of, hey, don't do this. And yet you went and did it. 
I I just I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm different, but that just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyways, going to college football now. Some rule changes have been approved. The biggest one being the clock will continue to run after first downs in all divisions except for Division Three. The clock will continue to stop during the final two minutes, maintaining at least part of the rule that has long differentiated the college game from the NFL. Uh, two other rules will also were also approved. Teams will now be prohibited from calling consecutive timeouts. So no more icing the kicker. Very similar to what the NFL did. I like it. And penalties at the end of the first and third quarter will carry over into the next quarter. As, so, it, sh- as it should. So instead of doing an untimed down, the penalty will just be enforced on the first play of the second quarter. Yeah. Like why, or fourth quarter. Why extend the third quarter and first quarter even more? Correct. And I, and I like how you are not stopping the clock anymore for the most part when it comes to first downs because it felt like, well, this game's... I, I get it. It's a lot of football, and I love football as much as the next guy, but feels like these games are taking a little too long with all these first downs, especially when it comes to an offense that they're taking 13, 14 plays in the drive, Correct. and they're hitting first down after first down and but after first see, down. It's like, okay, this is a two-minute drive that took nine plays, but in real time, this took like 12 minutes. <laughs> but you see, it's only going to shorten the game by eight minutes on average. According to this article, it says the combined changes are estimated to shorten the game by seven to eight minutes and up to eight plays. But that's seven to eight minutes. I could go watch another another game. But, but you know, <laughs> but you know what they're going to do? They're just going to play eight more minutes of commercials, just like in baseball. Oh, the pitch clock has shortened the game by twenty five minutes. Yeah, so now you give companies twenty five more minutes of commercials. I'd rather watch twenty five more minutes of baseball. I still have no issue with it. I mean, I don't have an issue with it either. I think it's rules that they needed to make. Right, because it's like we're, we're seeing 90 plays you, you, you for see, each college football team, whereas with the NFL, it's on average 63, 64. You, you see some people go, oh, these, these rules are going to make the game so much shorter. No, not really. No, it's not. No, it's not. Seven to eight minutes. Maybe for, maybe for some other games, like it might end a lot quicker than you usually would see. But overall, it's not going to be a huge, drastic difference. Looking at some other top stories, Nick Nurse has been fired as the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Toronto says that they are seeking a change. And former Celtics coach Ime Udoka, one of their top candidates. Giannis Antetokounmpo is still being monitored for his back injury. He did not practice with the team today, and he is, quote, doing everything he can to be able to play in Game 3 tomorrow. Speaking of the NBA, James, Boston Celtics play tonight. Do they go up 3-0? Yeah. Oh, you hesitated for a second there. No, I just gave it for that dramatic pause. Uh, sure. I'm taking, I'm taking the Celtics for sure on this. <laughs> It'd be even better. I would love it if it was if they won by like twenty. Delicious. Last comment I'm gonna make before we take a timeout and bring in Cookie Riley. After that, Stephen Curry mm. is still that dude. Oh yeah, 
I told he's, you he's last still night. Still that dude. Last night's game, they needed to win that one because if they don't and they go down three zero, it's over. You just take the Kings in either a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. Curry. But with this win, you still have a better opportunity to make this more of a series and maybe even somehow win the series. I'm not necessarily saying that they will do that, but this keeps them alive a little bit longer. Curry dropped 36 on 12 of 25 shooting, including 6 of 12 from beyond the arc. He also added 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals. I, so. to- I told you they needed about he needed about 40. And short man got a block. Yeah, he did. Short man got a block. <laughs> short man. Well, with the air quotes. What what's Curry? 6'1, 6'3, 6'2. They change that every year. It's not very tall for NBA standards. Well, right. Average human standards, yeah, that's tall. But NBA standards, dude, 6'2 is pretty tiny. Just just spitting facts. Average point guard is about 6'3. Take a time out here on Crunch Time 4:30 when we return. Koki Riley will join us. We'll talk LSU baseball against Ole Miss and get his thoughts on the LSU spring game tomorrow at Tiger Stadium right here on the game. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 434, almost 435. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The LSU Tigers on the road in Oxford, Mississippi this weekend to play Ole Miss. There's also a spring game going on in Baton Rouge. Here to talk about both of them is our guy Cokie Riley from the Daily Advertiser. Cokie, appreciate you taking the time, man, on this Friday. How are you? Doing great. How's it going, Matt? Oh, it's Friday. I'm doing absolutely fantastic, man. <laughs> ready, that sounds great. Ready for the weekend. So, looking at this series with Ole Miss, defending national champions got off to a hot start, and then SEC play came along, and they have been struggling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Three and twelve in conference play, just lost to their. Uh, obviously, arch nemesis and in-state rival Mississippi State in a three-game series. Um, they're on a longer, long, longer uh, winning streak than LSU right now because they beat Arkansas State on Tuesday. But um, overall, I'd say that it's just it's been this this season has not gone the way that they expected to, especially with Johnson with uh, uh, Jacob Gonzalez, excuse me, coming back and um, Kemp Alderman um, the way he's hitting the ball and Hunter Elliott returning. Like they thought they had. I mean, they brought back a lot of the team that won the national championship, and um, here they are probably struggling to even make the tournament. Game got pushed back to 8.30 tonight due to weather. How, how do you think that changes things for LSU? Because, you know, again, we, we talked about it earlier in the show, there's a certain level of preparation when you, when you know what time the game's going to be, and for it to get pushed back two and a half hours like it was, that could throw some things off for you. Um, I guess maybe, uh, perhaps, but... I I feel like they got enough of a heads up to where I think they can properly warm up and you know, prepare for a game like this. Um, I know they, it's not like they got into Oxford late. I, I believe I, I think they left on Wednesday for Oxford, so um, they've been there for a little while now. And um, yeah, I, I think they should be ready to, ready to get this thing going. And obviously, they have to hope that uh, Paul Skeen is able to pitch the entire 
uh, road game, a road Friday game now, uh, because the last time, of course, uh, there was a rain delay in the middle of that, that South Carolina game on that Friday, and uh, it really screwed up Allison's plans uh, a bit when he had to come out of the game after only three innings. So as long as that doesn't happen, I think they'll be fine. Now, what's the mindset for LSU? I know you mentioned them coming off the loss to, to Louisiana, but uh, they're still the top-ranked team in the country. They're still getting into the easier part of their SEC schedule. The, the mindset has to be pretty strong, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the mindset, I, I mean, to me, it's like you just want to survive. and you know, Obviously play up to your standards and win all these games, but you know, trying to survive, not you know, suffering too many too many more injuries. Um, of course, the team has been really hurt um, throughout this year. It's kind of become more of a, more of a theme as the year has gone along, especially in the pitching side. And um, if they can get one or two of these guys back, I mean, they already got Javon Coleman back, which I think helps a lot. Um, and then, then I think they can um, put themselves in a decent position to get into a pretty good run here. But I think a lot of it's going to come down to the health of this team. You know, I think offensively, I think they're fine and. Um, I think pitching wise, there are definitely some issues. They got to throw a lot more strikes than they do right now. Um, but if they can clean up that to at least a, a, a respectable degree, and you know, give their offense a chance to win them games, because that's how this team is going to win the College World Series, and their offense carries them. And um, I, I think it can. It's it's that good of an offense. So uh, I'm just really curious to see how the rest of the season uh, shakes out for this team. Where do you think it went wrong for a guy like Thatcher Hurd? Because, you know, you, you look at the start of his season and, and things looked very promising. And then the, the last couple times he's been out on the mound, he just struggles mightily. Where did it go wrong? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think that's something everyone's still trying to figure out. Uh, Wes Johnson and Jay Johnson and Thatcher himself included. Um, I think part of it's a mental thing. I think he gets very frustrated when he doesn't pitch well. Um, and when I watch him pitch, I, I kind of see a guy who – needs every single kind of time. He's very meticulous and mechanical and he's very into analytics and, um, and, and, and some of the uh, technology that they use to, to really quantify everything. Aaron, you know, I think there, there might, a degree to this might be that I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm saying that to sort of um, create this outlier outlining of a guy who um, really, really cares and, um, and when something goes wrong, it's it's something he needs to sort of fight through better. And right now he's just not doing it. I think that's part of it. And part of it's just not finding the strike zone. I mean, um, he, he's walked quite a few guys ever since he's struggled um, over the last few months. So month or two, no, nah, maybe not two, last month or so. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a thing. He's kind of in his own head um, and also – it, I, the just, just the lack of strikes, you know, and then when he finally does throw strikes, they're you know pitches that are kind of right down the middle, um, and he's getting hit pretty hard. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of a whole bunch of things, but um, I, I'm not 100 percent sure if he's going to be able to figure it out by the end of the season, though. You know, you talked about the pitching and how it needs to improve for LSU. Paul Skeens obviously having a fantastic start to the season leads the nation in strikeouts as a 1.69 ERA. Ty Floyd ha- has come out as a, a really strong guy on Saturday with a 5-0 record thus far. Christian Little coming around a little bit as a, as a Sunday guy. But 
I think the biggest issues for LSU have been in the bullpen. Guys like Blake Money and Sam Dutton, and then we just mentioned Thatcher Hurd, they come in, and, and that's when things just kind of that, – that's when things go off the rails a little bit for LSU. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do, again, with the injuries. Um, I mean, right now the Garrett Edwards injury is huge. The Chase Shorts injury is huge. The Ackenhausen um, has been on the mend with a hamstring, hamstring problem. Um, if they can just get one or two of those guys back, I think it does a ton to help out their depth. And so they're not leaning on the same guys over and over again, guys like Griffin Herring and guys like Gavin Guidry. Um, because I think Guidry and Herring are very capable, capable pitchers. And I think for the most part, they're definitely serviceable guys you want at the end of games against SEC play. But um, to, to me, it's just sort of trying to figure out you know, not trying to wear on those guys too much like they had to do last year because of the lack of starting pitching they had. This year, it's more because of injuries and less of because they don't have the bodies. It's more like they're losing the bodies, as as I've been saying. So, um, yeah, like I I think that it, a lot of it just comes down to depth and the guys that they have just need to throw strikes. And when they're not throwing strikes, this team's in big trouble because they have the stuff to get guys out. I mean, they have one of the highest strikeout rates. Um, I, I believe out of, they have the highest strikeout rate of all SEC teams in SEC play. So you know the stuff is there. And I think part of that rate being so high is because of Paul Skeens. But even if you take out his number, they're still in the upper half of the SEC. So I, I think they're, I, I think the stuff is there, the talent is there, but it's just a matter of throwing strikes. And um, their walk rates are just simply too high, even even though walk rates, walk rates have been pretty high in the SEC so far this year. So it's just a matter of you know trying to find that balance. You brought up Garrett Edwards and Chase Shores. What's the latest on their injury status? How close could they be to returning? Um, right now, we, we we're not sure. Um, uh, Jay Johnson has been extremely like elusive when it comes to sort of nailing down their timelines. Um, I think Atkinhausen's coming back pretty darn soon, and and if he comes back, then LSU might have four pretty capable left-handed pitchers out of the bullpen, and which is something they really didn't have last year, and they really needed last year which is a good thing, but as for Shores and uh, Edwards, honestly not sure, and I wouldn't be surprised if either were out for the entire season, though. Chatting with Koki Riley here on Crunch Time. One more question with baseball before we move on to the spring game. I know we talked about you, you emphasized pitchers being able to throw strikes for the Tigers. Outside of that, though, what, what would be the keys to victory this weekend against Ole Miss? Um... I, to me, it's. I mean, a lot of it's just capitalizing on this team's pitching staff. I mean, their entire starting rotation is five ERAs are up. Um, they need to be able to like really, really get the bats going this weekend. Uh, because I think I still think Ole Miss is a very talented hitting team. So, I mean, as long as LSU's bats do what they should be doing against a subpar pitching staff, I think they'll be okay. And I know Hunter Elliott's coming back this weekend, but I don't know how how long he's going to go. And he's going to start on on Saturday. But I, again, if he goes more than three innings, I'd be surprised. So, um, yeah, like he, he, yes, they have Hunter Elliott back, but he's probably going to be limited. So they should be able to take advantage of this rotation. Now, looking ahead to the spring game tomorrow, one o'clock inside Tiger Stadium. First of all, what what are your thoughts on the the field design? Um, I don't know. I, I like the center. Uh, I, I like the center field logo. Um, I, I think the logo at the 50 is, is pretty interesting and, and a very good, um, I guess, recruiting technique, right? Because that's the logo they, they use for 
uh, recruiting quite a bit, I believe. Um, so I, I think that actually is a pretty clean look in the middle. I, I wouldn't have that during like games, games when we get into the fall, and I know that's not going to be the case. Um, but I think it, I, I think with the spring game, why not? Um, for the end zone, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm not really feeling it, to be honest. Um, I, something about the color coding and, and the way it, the whole thing is sort of structured. I, I don't, I don't love it. I don't, I, what, what are your thoughts though? So the end zones, I absolutely love. Like, really? I, I, I would say keep those in there for the fall. Like they're great. Wow. And okay. then the the fifty yard line logo, I like the idea of putting the boot just for the and leave the boot for the fall and just put the tiger eye over it. I, I like the traditional old tiger, and, and I like the other end zones better. I, I understand what they're sort of doing with the what they're doing at the fifty yard line. Again, like a lot of the, a lot of what has to do with this game is recruiting, right? I mean, you got a ton of recruits there to watch watch these guys scrimmage against each Absolutely. other in front of fans. And um, so I kind of get why they did that. But the end zones, I don't know. There's a lot of white in the middle there, and it just doesn't really contrast well with some of the other colors. And I don't know. It just, it, I, to me, to me, that's, that's at least my opinion, though. So I saw that with this spring game, they're going to do a lot of situational stuff, and then there's going to be a scrimmage towards mm. the end of it. How's the scoring going to work? What can fans expect? Not 100% sure on what the scoring will be. My, since it's offense versus defense, my guess is the defense is going to get a certain amount of points on, you know, like a sack or a tackle for loss or a forcing completion and stuff like that. The scoring is going to be kind of pretty wonky and, you know, the score is going to get really out of hand um, because of that. And they, I, they believe they did a pretty similar thing last year as well uh, because of the lack of bodies that they have. I think if they were healthier this spring, we probably would have gotten an entire spring game, um, like a formal spring game, but we don't. So um, we get this, you know, weird uh, scrimmage amalgamation. Um, but yeah, I, but I think overall, like what this is important, what the spring game is for, is just the, you know, just another opportunity to practice and get the guys sort of uh, amped and ready. And of course, there's a recruiting angle that I've already talked about. So um, yeah, it's multi-purpose, but I, I wouldn't put too much into the scoring either way. All right, Koki. Before I let you run, without spoiling it for me. What have been your thoughts on season three of Ted Lasso? I've liked it a lot. Um, I I think last season was I don't want to say it was disjointed, but it it it, it was a show that was that was kind of it kind of in growing pains as to what it wanted to be because I think you know season one was kind of like a more serious version of like Major League, right? Because again, it's the owner trying to. Um, dismantle the team that she's running for for pers- for whatever sort of personal gain, and um, there's obviously a lot of comedy in it. But like, but season two was just it, it, it obviously it was it, t- it kind of took a bit of a tonal turn, and you know became right, even right. more about some of the themes of the show. And I just feel like this season's just found a much better groove with that. And I don't know, I, I really like how ever, everything's sort of working out um, so far this season. I plan on catching up this weekend when I have the weekend off. I've, I've fallen behind with how busy we've been over here. But uh, Cookie Riley of the Daily Advertiser joining us here on Crunch Time. Cookie, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, man. And there he goes, Cookie Riley of the Daily Advertiser. We'll take a time out here. We return. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet, well, then you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has another Astros weekend getaway for you. This time, the Astros will take on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there by registering in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. You'll score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. And as always, Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time, wrapping up our number one here in the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Who do you think is the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft? Do you think it's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or maybe someone else? Don't forget to vote on that on Facebook and Twitter. Looking at the NBA last night, the 76ers, they end up now are up 3-0 in their series against the Brooklyn Nets after they won 102-97. Warriors kept themselves alive, now down 2-1 versus the Kings with a 114-97 win. And then the Suns took advantage of Kawhi not being available, and they took the 2-1 lead in the series with a 129-124 win over the Clippers. I watched that game. What a performance by Devin Booker. Oh, man. It was God, master he was class. fantastic. He was absolutely incredible. He goes for 45 points on 18 of 29 shooting. He gets six rebounds, three assists, three steals as well. DeAndre Ayton with a simple double-double, 12 and 11. Durant with 28 as well. Uh, Chris Paul gets 11 and 7 on the night Meanwhile, you know who kind of looked like them old their old selves again? I really liked what I saw out of Russell Westbrook. Russ had 30, 12, and 8. Shot 11 of 23 from the field and knocked down three threes. Russ looked like the old Russ. And I'm not going to lie, it was actually kind of refreshing. It was nice to see um, because whether you like Russ or not, Russell Westbrook three years ago was highly entertaining and good for the league. So to see him kind of revert back to that old way was uh, was very, very nice to see. Um, tonight's games, like we talked about earlier, Boston and Atlanta game three in that one, Cleveland and New York. James 1-1, who takes Game 3 inside the Garden? Even though, this, even though this one is in the Garden tonight, I look towards Cleveland to win this one. Because I just think overall the Cavs are a better team. I just don't trust Julius Randle and the rest of that Knicks squad long term. I know Jalen Brunson, he's played masterclass basketball. But I like Cleveland 
overall. I think they take the lead in the series. I think the Knicks could tie it at Game Four, and then before they go back to Cleveland. But tonight, I look for the Cavs to win. And then in Minneapolis tonight, Denver and Minnesota, the Nuggets up two to nothing. Do they make it three, or does Minnesota make it respectable tonight? I think Minnesota has a good chance of making it respectable tonight. I wouldn't be shocked if Denver takes the 3-0 lead, but I think you might see a little bit of fight out of the Wolves and be able to get the a win before, thing, it's, before it's just insurmountable. The only thing that worries me about Minnesota, and, and I, re- I, I always kind of thought it, but I really saw it the other night in Game 2. You need Anthony Edwards to pop off for, for you to have, to have a, chance. a chance. Yep, and absolutely. You can't rely on that. You just can't. He's not going to drop forty a night. So, can he have back to back big performances? Minneapolis better hope. I mean, the Timberwolves better hope so, because when he dropped forty one the other night, they probably should have took advantage of that and found a way to win. But we'll see. Uh, I think Denver's just going to be way too much for for the T Wolves to handle. Honestly, I I could see Minnesota getting swept. Wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me? But I feel like if the Timberwolves want any chance, they got to win tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. Hour number one in the books. We're going to kick off hour number two with Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company, for Jake's takes here on a Friday. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home. For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, we're back right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's our number two of Crunch Time here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111 as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios. Here in Upper Lafayette, FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. In our number one, we talked about LSU baseball as they prepare to take on Ole Miss tonight. First pitch set for 8.30, pregame at 8, and you can catch it all right here on the game. We also talked about the Astros. They're going to play the Atlanta Braves tonight. You can catch that one over on our sister station, Newstalk 98.5. But here in hour number two, we're going to talk some NFL draft a little bit later with our guy Emery Hunt. But before we do that, let's talk with our guy Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company, every weekday morning. Jake, what's going on, man? How are you? Guys, I'm doing great. Talking to y'all, that means it's Friday, so it's, it's always a good time. So question number one I have, last season or maybe even two years ago, Calvin Ridley was suspended for betting on games. Mm-hmm. So, so you would think that the rest of the league would be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that so that we can not be suspended and continue to get paid. Yeah, look, here's, here's my thoughts on it. Um, it's, it's, you're already rich, let's be honest. But at the end of the day, if you're not betting on your team and you're betting on other sports, like, why does that matter? Like, why should, why should you not be able to do that? Like, I get it's the rule. I'm not saying they didn't break a rule. They know the rules of the NFL. They've, they've got to suffer the consequences. But I just don't understand, like, why you can't do that. 
I think the part that bothered the NFL in terms of Jamison Williams' situation is the fact that he was betting inside the team's facility. <laughs> okay. Like well, what? What? What difference? What does he have? Some like like uh, magic or something? Like why does it matter where? Like what? Do you have an advantage? No, I. I mean, look, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think it's kind of silly, but like you said, they know the rules, and and you broke them. Yeah. No, nobody's arguing that. Look, you you know the rules. Uh, Calvin Ridley knows knows the rules. I just have a problem with the rule. Not not just blanket. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, if you really look at it outside of betting money line, if you bet on your own team or another team or something like that, it, it creates a lot of problems. But like betting on other sports, I mean, I mean, I don't care if you're at the place where they're playing the sport, you're you're betting on it. How bad do you feel for Drew Smiley right now after losing his perfect game after colliding with his catcher? Man, you know, here's here's the way I view that. Uh, at the end of the day, it's it sucks. There's there's no way around it. It's unfortunate. I don't blame the catcher. It was just kind of a bang bang play that happens. But at some point you gotta sit back and realize, hey man, I'm still rich. So like that I, that should make him feel better in my opinion. But it's it's tough. You never know. You'll never uh, you may never have that again or have that opportunity again, but at the end of the day, I mean he's he's still got it pretty good. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you crap real quick. I, I, you know, I love to to throw this jab at you. What are your Atlanta Falcons doing? Releasing Casey Hayward. Hayward. Man, I just I, I don't get it. I'm for everybody out there. I promise you guys. I'm, I mean, I don't have a problem with the Falcons. It's not like we're beefing or anything like that. But I'm just not a. Oh, you're a Saints guy. Falcon, Falcon fan, man. I mean, I'm more of a Saints fan than Falcons fan. But look, when it comes down to what the Falcons are doing lately, I mean. I have a lot more questions than than there are answers when when I look at it. I, I just don't see how you expect to be good when you don't have any any good players. Like we'll see what happens in the draft. I'm still the rest of the off season, but like if I'm going to sit up here and try and explain what the Falcons are doing, I might as well just try and tell you where the Holy Grail is while I'm at it. And speaking of the draft, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young because their brains work. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the draft. CJ Stroud. I'm not saying CJ Stroud's bad. Mm-hmm. To me, it's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Gap, Hendon Hooker, then then everybody else. Like Gap, then everybody else. So uh, somebody will reach for Will Levis, you know, and and Anthony Richardson will probably go high. But there's no way you don't draft Bryce Young. He's the best anticipatory passer. Uh, I think he does the best job of of identifying uh, what's in front of him quickly. He's able to extend the play from inside and outside of the pocket, keeps his eyes downfield, makes good decisions. His arm's good enough to be able to make all the throws, which is all you ask, but he also has touch and the ability to have feel when he puts the ball in the air, not just in the shorter uh, intermediate game, but in the deep game as well. So, I I mean, and he's he's apparently like the smartest man alive after that test they gave him, so it's it's the total package. Now... It kind of just depends on what happens, but with the Saints at 29, if they don't trade up, where do you see the Saints going? Maybe not a specific guy, but what position do you think they go? Um, I mean, look, uh, you you bring in a new quarterback. You want to surround him with weapons. I know Michael Thomas is, is coming back, but can you really bet on that? I, I, I like Alave. Uh, I like some of the pieces, but I think you take the best available. To be honest with you, with the Saints right now, I mean, you you have your board, you have your guys ranked where you have them. Uh, if there's a guy, maybe you think that's a big seal that you didn't think was going to be there. I don't know if the side of the ball really matters. 
Now, Jake, I've heard people say, and I kind of agree with this, but I want to get your take on it. When looking at the quarterbacks in the NFL draft this year, I've heard people say that Anthony Richardson has the most potential, but C.J. Stroud probably has the highest floor. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, look, Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, if he goes to the right situation and he's not thrown in the fire and he's able to develop and understand it's more than just athleticism, I think he has a chance to be special. But I think Bryce Young's got the most potential. Otherwise, I wouldn't say he'd be the first pick. And I think C.J. Stroud, from a pure passing standpoint, is the best passer in this draft. But I think Bryce is is very accurate. He's deadly accurate. Not as accurate as C.J., but he's a better anticipatory passer. Uh, Obviously, that, that... term kind of speaks for itself and what it is but if you look in the nfl there's not a lot of open windows you got to throw guys open and be able to anticipate where they're going to be and, and have that depth perception and ability to deliver that ball early and i think bryce is able to do that therefore i think his game will translate quicker to the next level so people are going to say floors and ceilings and and you know systems and all type of stuff but uh, i think bryce has the most potential but that's not to say that i don't think anthony richardson could be something now i don't believe in will levis i'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all right now six tight ends in the first two rounds of the nfl draft i looked at a mock i looked at a mock draft earlier today it had six tight ends going in the first two rounds well you know what what i say to that is and and I talk about this with the nickel on defense. Some people call it the slot corner. I can't stand that. I call it the nickel. It's They're almost a tight end in the defense because the best ones can do both, right? Like the best tight ends can block, and, and then they can run routes and, and make catches and do things athletically while being physical. Well, a nickel on defense has to be able to cover. He has to be able to come in and help set the edge sometimes or, or maybe dive in and make a play. He's got to be able to go man or zone. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you, you bring him in, in certain situations on exotic blitzes. So those guys are, are rare, right, the ones that are really good. And, and it seems that we've had an influx of talent at both of those positions, to be honest. But six tight ends is just uh, – it may be an anomaly. I mean, we see that every now and then. But even if it is, it just shows you, I mean, uh, how talented some of these guys are. Chatting with Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company. NBA playoffs, what's been your thoughts so far? Man, battle of attrition. I mean, everybody's hurt. And it seems to be like the stars. I mean, Joel Embiid was lucky to make it out of the game with his life the other night. Uh, but I think you've seen – the teams that, that are able to rely on that depth and, and maybe come back from an early loss, like the Bucks, for example, uh, in game one against the Heat, Giannis goes down, and then they're able to come back uh, when they know they're not going to have them and, and, and win a big game. But, I mean, you go across the board. I mean, Kawhi was out last game. Tyler Hero broke his hand. Giannis has been down. Uh, Joel Embiid's been in and out. I mean, there's been injuries uh, all over the place. And, and so the best teams and the most physical teams are the ones that are going to advance. And let's make no mistake, I don't really, I don't, I'm not in love with the NBA regular season, but the playoffs, it gets physical. Uh, it's a different game, so it's been fun to watch. Looking at college baseball, LSU going to be in Oxford, Mississippi to play Ole Miss this weekend. And, you know, quite a few heavy-hitting matchups, including a top-25 matchup in the Sun Belt between Coastal Carolina and Southern Miss. What games are you watching this weekend? Oh, man, I mean, there's a ton every weekend. I, I mean, from the ones you mentioned, uh, Texas A&M, Auburn, 
uh, or excuse me, Mississippi State, Auburn, and and uh, all over the SEC because they just dominate in baseball. Obviously, Tennessee's playing Vanderbilt as well. And then you look across the country. I mean, there's some really sneaky uh, mid-major teams, I, I guess you would call them. But uh, the, when it comes down to college baseball, we know who runs it. Looking at LSU, how crazy is it? Not, not even talking about LSU. How crazy is it that Ole Miss and Mississippi State just aren't that good? Right. And you know, you you look at Ole Miss and they're they're twenty six and or sixteen and eleven, and but they're three and twelve in the SEC. Their yeah. their non conference schedule they went eighteen and four, and then they've just fallen off a cliff. That it's baseball, man. Baseball's a fickle mistress. That's why betting it is so hard. Betting Major League Baseball, and I know some people be like, oh, well, it's easy. No, it's not. It's the most variables. Uh, in my opinion, out of the, the big three major sports, uh, and, and it's wild. But who knows, man? That's the great thing about baseball. Uh, I mean, you you can see LSU win it, or you can see Coastal Carolina win it. What picks are you making this weekend? Man, you know, obviously you look at the NBA, but the NHL, it's, it's been good to me. Speaking about great playoffs, I mean, this, this NHL playoffs has already delivered. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this Panthers-Bruins series. The Panthers beat them twice during the regular season. We know the Bruins had a historic year. I mean, I don't think you'd be crazy taking the Florida Panthers plus 120 tonight. Uh, but moving forward, um, you know, look, looking at the NBA, I, I feel like the Nuggets are going to sweep. Uh, obviously, the line's two and a half tonight. I'd jump on that like a fat kid in the cupcake factory. But uh, there's some good bets out there, man. Yeah, you, you brought up the Panthers and Bruins. Could, could it be another case of the President's Trophy curse? Every time a team wins the president's you. trophy, they struggle in the playoffs. Yeah, and it was it, this. This would be the the worst one, right? Because Absolutely. the Bruins had the most historic regular season in the history of the NH, uh, NHL. So it would only be fitting for them to uh, lose in the first round after winning the president's trophy, and then the Leafs not advance once again in the first round, even though uh, they beat the Lightning to a pulp last night. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here on Crunch Time each and every Friday for Jake's Takes. Jake, appreciate you as always. Have a hell of a weekend, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Talk about the draft. Hey, you too, brother. I'm about to throw some uh, steaks on the grill and enjoy some sports tonight. You'll be good. Good for you. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here on Crunch Time. We'll take a timeout. When we return, James and I will look at the Zurich Classic in New Orleans. We'll dive into his mock draft. And then Emory Hunt joins us at 5.30 right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, score a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. It's a $15 voucher that you can get for half the price. Once again, head to AcadianaDeals.com today to get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back, 518. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast by going to Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 
on LUS Fiber. Let's take a look at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Last year's winner, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, currently in second place at 14 under par. You know, James, when, when you look at this event, it's the only team event on the entire PGA Tour, which makes things... Intriguing. Very intriguing. Because um, you're so used to individual play, but then when you almost kind of like have a, a duos match in tennis, you're like, oh, okay. Correct. Change it up a little bit, I see. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of have to figure out... So, so the way they do the scoring is basically say one guy gets a birdie and one guy gets a par, the team gets a birdie. It's a better of the two. You, yeah, you, you take whatever the best score is. So if one guy goes quadruple bogey, but your teammate gets a par... You get a par for the he, hole. He, he saves your behind. I mean, if somebody is willing to take off for like half the holes and the other one tries for the other half, I mean... Right. <laughs> there, there's a real philosophy there. There's a huge philosophy there. The leader currently is Hostler and Clark, 16 under par. A couple of other teams to keep an eye on. Kitayama and Montgomery, 12 under. Looking down, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns are at 11 under. The Fitzpatrick brothers, Matt and Alex, at 10 under. And the cut... And this this is what's odd to me, because usually your cut hangs around two under, one under, par or even. Like, yeah, even. What's that projected cut is at nine, nine under. under. <laughs> what? I mean, to be fair, with the highest team being at sixteen under. Oh man, make, <laughs> it makes some sense, especially with, with how many teams that are at least ten under. Nine under. That's almost unfair. That is almost unfair. But James, did you have you looked at uh, Daly and Duval where they're at all the way at the bottom? Oh no, is their score? Oh my god, <laughs> they're fourteen over. Well, of course, it's John Daly. I know, but it's still funny to see how everyone you know, right, right. They have normal the, the worst, scores. The worst scores like one over, and then fourteen over. Good old. Good old John Daly. He never changes. Now, that, now that's opposite ends of the spectrum right there. That that guy is just, he's just something. A piece of work. He is he is something. A team that's surprising to me that they are, are struggling, and they still got time. They've only played 13 holes today, so they still have five more to go. Max Homa and Colin Morikawa, they're at eight under right now. They need to get one more spot if they want to play through the weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Homa and Morikawa can pull that off and, and stay down in New Orleans throughout the weekend. Mesh, let's go look at your mock draft. Let's go. For the NFL draft this weekend. Now, you sat here frivolently. Oh, there was there was so much contemplation with this. And you contemplated and you researched and you questioned yourself oh there was a lot of questions myself finally finally put it together i decided to just stick with one so a, a couple of things really jump out at me okay i'm not surprised that you went with bryce young at one right i mean that's pretty much the favorite at this point but what i am surprised with 
is what you have Houston doing. <laughs> Explain yeah, it's, yourself. It's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, well, when you have a defensive-minded head coach and with the reports saying that they aren't, quote-unquote, in love with C.J. Stroud, which you kind of feel like it's Bryce, C.J., maybe Anthony at three, and then Will Levis has the potential of being the one that is last, but then you never know with Hendon Hooker either. So at that point, if you're not in love and you're not really comfortable taking the huge quote-unquote project with Anthony Richardson at two, why not just go get the guy that is projected as just the best overall guy in the draft and go get Will Anderson, which is someone that D'Amico Ryan said like he's been interested in. So you have them taking Will Anderson, and then they pick again at 12. Yep. <laughs> And you have them taking Kendon Hooker. It all comes back to it. It's beautiful because then you still get your quarterback. And you have them with that fifth-year option like I've been talking about. You love that fifth-year option, don't you? It's so big. You love that fifth-year option. Why do you think so many people try to get back into the first round? It's one more year that if it's a guy that you really like, you don't have to pay him like $20 million. You can still have him on that rookie contract for one more year. So uh, another pick that really kind of caught my eye <laughs> is you have Seattle at five, yeah, taking Jalen Carter. Now look, from a talent perspective, I, I don't disagree. Jalen Carter's an animal, but with all the off the field issues that he's had this off season, I I thought you would have had him dropping further than that. Just to me, it's too he's too good of a talent to pass up. That's how I see it because. You really you are needing that you you need help at the defensive line if you were Seattle. You don't have a lot of talent there. You have a couple of guys that could be rotational pieces, but none of them should be really consistent starters in my eyes. So if Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson are gone at 5, if you don't trade down you don't necessarily need to go grab a cornerback like Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. Why not just grab probably the best overall talent, best player available at that point, and just draft position of need? Like to me, it just works out. This guy's got five wide receivers going in the first round. <laughs> it's all the tail end. You've got Smith and Jigba at thirteen. Mm-hmm. You've got Addison at twenty-one. And then you go back-to-back receivers with Downs at 25 and Johnson at 26. And then you have the Chiefs getting Zay Flowers at 31. Now, this is intriguing because Zay Flowers thought that he was done Mm -hmm. with his draft prep. Yep. And then he gets a phone call from the Kansas City Chiefs, says, hey, we're going to fly you to Houston and you're going to go work out with Patrick Mahomes. To go have a private workout with Pat Mahomes. Like, that's a telling sign to me that you are really high on Zay Flowers. And you know who else? Not only the Kansas City Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes. Right. NFL quarterbacks don't just have private workouts with draft prospects. With just any any player. Right. Like, you're, you're, not, you're not doing a workout with a draft prospect unless you want that guy on your team. Unless you see something in him and you want to go check it out for yourself and see, like, could you build chemistry right away with that receiver? Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other picks in, in this draft that 
you know you you want to defend don't don't agree with or you've gotten some heat for uh i mean i feel like dawson may be upset that i didn't take michael meyer at 29 with the saints pick but no outside of that i feel like this is a pretty solid one obviously it's not going to be all the way correct i feel like it'll it's i feel like with this one it could be correct but there's a reason why i'm doing one more before the draft Michael Meyer is no don't get me wrong. The guy's talented. I'm not gonna take that away from him. And I'm not gonna take away the fact that he's going to make some NFL team very, very happy. However, I don't want him in New Orleans. <laughs> and, and I'm a, and I'm gonna tell you why. Yeah, tell me why. Tell tell everyone why. Tell the class. I think he's out. I think he's Adam Troutman all over again. Ooh, interesting. They are very similar players. I I know that Meyer played at a much higher level level with Notre Dame than Adam Troutman did at Dayton. Correct. <laughs> but there's, there's just, a few level steps taken step forward for sure. For sure. I just feel like they're very similar players. And you spent a third round on Adam Troutman, and it didn't work. So why would you go spend a first-rounder on a similar dude? Counter-argument, because I don't necessarily disagree. I, For me, if, if he is Adam Troutman, or like you comp him to Adam Troutman, it almost feels like, could he almost be Adam? What Adam Trotman, what we thought he could be, and he ends up what we thought Adam Trotman was supposed to project to be un- well, end of, up doing. Well, of course that's a possibility, right? But is it worth spending your first round pick on it? First, late first round. I'm not. I'm not necessarily one that usually goes for a tight end in the first round unless it's an absolute need and a lot of other positions that I could use to improve. Like all those guys are gone. Wouldn't you rather go beef up either your offensive or defensive line? Or get a receiver, right? Like I'd, I'd rather focus on the pos- like the positions that have really high value and where a lot of players usually go because you don't often see a bunch of tight ends go in the first round like you would see offensive and defensive linemen and quarterbacks and receivers. Like we're we're seeing running backs start to disappear from first round picks. Correct. So it it, it almost feels like it's another one of those. So I, uh, again. I really like your mock draft. I agree with most of it. Um, what's, what's one that you don't? Because I'm surprised no one's really said anything about the Bijan to Minnesota. I think that's a good fit. I think it's a great fit because what Bijan can provide in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook being shopped, mm-hmm. and if not, they'll probably release him right before the draft. You get a younger Dalvin Cook. <laughs> They're a very similar player. Bijan might not be as bruising as Dalvin Cook can be, but the speed and agility part—it's a perfect comp. Because a lot of people are starting to mock Bijan to Tampa. When I was like, I mean, sure you could do that, but then you just lose your longtime left tackle and Donovan Smith, and now you're moving. Tristan Wirfs more likely not to left tackle, so now you have a big, vacant, empty spot at right tackle. 
But why not? I'm, why not? Why not go get another tackle? Because you just in the third round you just got a Rashad White who I thought you were really high on. But if I'm the Vikings, I'm drafting him at Hooker. It's a perfect opportunity. He can sit for a year, like most of us think that he needs. And then you move on from Kirk Cousins. You move on from Kirk Cousins, and then Hendon Hooker not only knows the system and is fully healthy, but gets to throw to playmakers like Justin Jefferson? Yes, please. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time 531 on your Friday, and we return Emory Hunt from Football Game Plan. He's going to join us. We'll talk about the NFL draft and much more right here on the game. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on this Friday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on our simulcast by heading to Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. The NFL Draft six days away now. Let's look at some mocks and just kind of where things stand for a couple of different teams with our guy Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan and CBS Sports. Emery, really appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. So, you know, we'll start at the top. Carolina's got the number one overall pick. I st- there's still a part of me that thinks they could potentially trade out of it. Um, do you think that they're staying at one? And if so, who do they take? Yeah, I think they stay at one. I just feel like, you know, for me, C.J. Stroud makes the most sense for Carolina as opposed to any other quarterback. I feel like, you know, whether you talk about Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud, I don't have a I don't have a problem with any one of the three, but I just prefer Stroud in Carolina because of what's around uh, him in terms of the quarterback coach, the head coach, um, Jim Caldwell, the consultant. I feel like they work with more guys who play like C.J. Stroud as opposed to the other two. Now, with Houston, they're obviously going to take, or we think that they're going to take, whatever quarterback is left out of Stroud and Young. But I've seen some mock drafts have them trade with Arizona to take the number three pick as well. Could you see a world where they draft Bryce Young and Will Anderson? Yeah, uh, you mean getting both picks? Correct. Two and three? Trading with Arizona, giving Arizona 12, and taking three from Arizona. Wow, that would be a, a monumental dumb move by Arizona. But if they do that, then, yeah, that 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 would be a home run for, for Houston. But if they keep two and 12, I feel like I like Bryce Young as the fifth there because of his dynamic play. can kind of give them the same magic that they got with the Deshaun Watson selection a few years ago. So I, if I'm Arizona, you make that move. Wow, that would be so dumb. But I like Houston getting Bryce Young. Now, a, a player that's interesting to me is Anthony Richardson. You know, you saw the tape and you saw the combine. Clearly a, a freak athlete. But I don't think he's quite ready for the NFL yet. Now, I, I've heard some people say that he has the highest potential. So in your opinion, in terms of potential – and a team that might have some time to let him sit and grow, who, who should take Anthony Richardson? 
I feel like Indy would make the best sense for him, and I feel like he could play right away. Um, his biggest issue was a lot of the drops that he suffered at Florida. You could fix that with NFL wide receivers. And then experience. He just hadn't played enough, and he's going to get a lot of experience being taken in the first round. If he goes to Indy, he has a great offensive line, a great running back, excellent receivers in Michael Pittman Jr., Alex Pierce, the tight end Jelani Woods, who's six seven, six eight, can get down the field. And he has a coach that just came off of working with Jalen Hurts. This is probably the most ideal situation for a quarterback like Andy uh, Anthony Richardson to step into because he can, you know, be successful early with this running game, and then continue to grow within this offense because he has one of the better deep balls in the NFL. I'm sorry, in, in college football in his draft class. He also has very good pocket mobility to stay within the pocket and keeps his eyes downfield. I just felt like they just have weapons outside of Pearsall at Florida. So now you rectify that problem. And I think people are sleeping on how ready for the game he is uh, coming out of Florida. Now, looking at the rest of the first round, obviously there's some big names there with Jalen Carter, B. John Robinson, Lucas Van Ness, and a handful of others. Who, who are some prospects that you have looked at that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about that could be definite first-round talents in the NFL? Uh, you look at Darius Rush out of South Carolina. I know a lot of people talk about his teammate in Cam Smith, and, and justifiably so, but when you watch a guy on the opposite side at 6'2", 200 pounds, good length, good athleticism, good ball skills, then you realize he was a former receiver turning into a cornerback at South Carolina. Now you really start to think Richard Sherman type. And then he you combine that with the way he performed at the Senior Bowl, and it's like, wow, this guy, he checks all the boxes, meets all the measurables. He jumped out the gym at, at the NFL combine. I want to say he ran 4-4. He should be the first-round pick. He is someone to me that, that uh, you know, he measures up physically. He went down there and competed at the Senior Bowl, and everyone was talking about his, his teammate. And when I say he did a, a fantastic job, he probably had the best cornerback workout at the Senior Bowl than I've ever seen. Now, Emory, obviously here in South Louisiana, we're very concerned with the New Orleans Saints and, and what they're going to do in the first round. They've traded up six, 24 times in the last 16 drafts. Do they trade up again this year? Potentially, because I thought I think they've done a solid job in free agency. Um, and this is one of these draft classes where you know they have elite talent at the top, and then maybe from, let's say, the next defensive tackle, there's a bit of a drop-off. So if the Saints feel like they can pack some picks and move up to target one specific guy, they I feel like they can make that move, but you know, outside of that, you kind of want to you kind of want them to build depth within you know their O line and D line. I think if they stay pat, they can kind of work on that part because we saw what happened last year when they started to suffer injuries within the front uh, seven on defense or along the offensive line. I feel like that's an area where they can utilize this draft to build some depth on both sides of the ball. Chatting with Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan. You know, when you look at the first-round mocks, you see a lot of tight ends in this conversation. Dalton Kincaid, Michael Meyer. Some people still have Darnell Washington hanging around there at the bottom half of the first round. Three tight ends in the first round seems like a stretch to me. How deep is this tight end group? Yeah, I feel like that's a stretch as well. 
and, and it's a pretty deep group. And when we say deep, we're talking, I'm talking about um, it's deep across the different tight end positions because I, I break it down from inline guys, which are more your blockers, your flex tight ends, which are more your receivers, and your H-backs, which are more your move guys that can help you in the run game, but also get down and be a factor in a passing game. It's deeper across the board. So it's not just stock with flex guys or inline guys or whatever. Every position you can find guys within that middle part of day two and day three that can help you out in year one. Looking at some of the later rounds, and I, I know you're a Louisiana Raging Cajun grad, and you know when you look at it, Michael Jefferson w- was probably the most surefire prospect. But after getting in that car accident, it, you know his career, or, or at least his season in 2023, is in jeopardy. Is there anybody else from UL, Andre Jones, Eric Guerra, that you could see getting drafted? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Because I feel like people are sleeping on Johnny Lumpkin, the tight end. You know, he raised a lot of eyebrows at the NFL table with how well he ran routes and how well he did. You know, catching a football. You talk about Jones. Jones has that length and athleticism uh, that that you don't see every day. And I feel like he's another one that really helped himself at the East-West Shrine Bowl, and Chris Smith with his ability to return kicks and catch the ball out of the backfield could be someone on day three that could, you know, find himself getting picked up because of his special teams powers. Garrett, you know, the special teams, again, can you play in that on those units? He's an excellent special teamer. It's so many talented uh, Cajuns in this class, man. I'm just surprised we're not talking about Cajun offensive linemen. And it is, it's funny to think about it when you look at Osiris Torrance you just imagine, like, wow, this offensive line the Cajuns had at one point had Max Mitchell, Osiris Thorns, you know, um, uh, Dotson, and, and um, Robert Hunter. Like, uh, unbelievable, you know. So um, I feel like there's enough Cajuns to go around for everybody. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a few, uh, a little bit of spice get sprinkled around the NFL this weekend or next weekend. Were you surprised to see the five players in the NFL got suspended for, for betting on games after everything that happened with Calvin Ridley just last year? Yeah, not surprised that oh, – kind of surprised at the, you know, the suspension. I'm surprised that what, – what, what's going on in these wide receiver rooms? Like, why are these the ones that keep getting caught betting on, on football? Like, what's going on? Like, and I know Shaquille uh, uh, Shakatoni is one of them, and we now have a defensive back. It was like, man, this – Two wide receivers, like, what, what are y'all doing in there? But especially after we saw what happened in, you know, the earlier year, uh, you know, last year with, with uh, Ridley, to put yourself in that situation, man, you should, when you saw Ridley, uh, a star young player, you know, get suspended for a year, you should have had a whole seminar on betting the, the you know, the pitfalls, what the rules say, what you can or can't do. You should, you should have known the rules like the back of your hand after that day because it showed you that the NFL didn't care if he was a star young player or someone on the back end of the roster. They were going to suspend you for a year because that's a no – You they, they can't bend on that policy. That's the foundation of why we watch the NFL. And, you know, so you can't bend on that. So they have to suspend you for a year. I'm surprised they got caught. One last question for you, Emery. Down the road in Baton Rouge at LSU, there's quite a few players in this draft. Jay Ward, B.J. Ojolari, Jaquel and Roy. In your opinion, who's the first Tiger off the board? Oh, man. I would probably say Ojolari because 
we may see a run on edge rushes earlier in the draft. So it kind of pushes guys up because you got to grab them. Otherwise, you're going to, quote, unquote, run out. So I feel like Ojolari would be the first one off the board because I expect to run on that position. Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan joining us here on Crunch Time. Emory, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the busy week next week, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. And there he goes, Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan and CBS Sports. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time, and we'll wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet, well, don't worry. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Currently in the top of the third at 5:53 here on your Friday, Louisiana trails James Madison two to nothing over in Harrisonburg, Virginia. The Cajuns have already committed an error and have stranded three runners in the contest. James Madison's runs coming off of a error and then an RBI ground out to second base to advance a runner once again two nothing in the top of the third, two outs and a runner on second for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Once again, LSU doesn't play till 8.30 tonight. Pre-game begins at 8. You can catch it right here on the game. Meanwhile, the Astros getting ready to get underway. You can catch pre-game beginning right now over on our sister station, News Talk 98.5. James, like I said, you got a weekend off. You talked about doing some more mock drafts. You got any other big plans for the weekend? You can go play some basketball, some foosball. Because it's it's not devil, mom. I don't know. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can do. This man said football's not the devil. It's not, mama. If you disagree that the water boy is in in terms of comedies, okay, I was gonna say like a top ten movie. <laughs> I don't know that we could be friends. <laughs> I, I just don't. Where do you where do you put uh, dodgeball? Oh, uh, up there. Up there? Up there. Like top five? Maybe. Maybe. Sports comedies may be the best. It might be the best. I'm shocked. I mean, look. Dodgeball, Waterboy, mm-hmm. Talladega Nights, mm-hmm. Semi-Pro. Yeah, Semi-Pro's up there. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Of course. Like the, the, I mean, there's your five. <laughs> there's your five in terms of sports comedies. Uh, you got to watch Draft Day this weekend. Me? You got to watch Draft Day. I always watch it the day of. This man watches it the day of the draft. Mm-hmm. When are you going to find time to do that this year, though? Same way I did last year. You going to wake up early? <laughs> as soon as I wake up at like 10 poor, o'clock. Poor, poor James is going to have to wake up at like 8 o'clock. 
God. I don't know if you're going to make it, bud. I don't know how I'll survive the day. Uh, you might not. No, I'll just play it on... I'll play it, like, Tuesday. And even if I can't, I'll just play it Wednesday night. I'll just make the tradition a little early. I am heading over to Baton Rouge this weekend. The I'm, Red Stick? I'm going to watch Shinedown and Three Days Grace. And, and ladies and gentlemen, let me be very clear... James Mesh did not know who Shinedown was. Nope. And he only knew one song by Three Days Grace. You only played me like two songs. I mean, fair. But <laughs> so I mean, I'm fifty percent if you wanna if you wanna get technical. This guy. I know there's only like three years between us, but there's a twenty year <laughs> gap in, in terms of music and, and movies and Hey man, you else. got into music before me. So I'm not surprised that you won guess that tune. And I'd win it again. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, if we keep throwing stuff from the early 2000s and the 90s. You child. You baby. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest today, Koki Riley, Jake Crane, and Emery Hunt for joining us. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. Hope everybody has an incredible weekend. And we'll be back on Monday Ross Jackson's going to join us, talk NFL draft, as by Monday we'll be just three days away from the Saints making that 29th overall selection. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be a receiver? Is it going to be a defensive player? We don't know. But Ross is going to tell us what he thinks is going to happen. All that and much more coming up on Crunch Time next week right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.